Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board games. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 124, all over again, in more ways than one. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Did you get that pun? You probably only got half of that, or joke, or whatever it was. Episode 124, <laughs> all, all, all over again, because last time I said it was episode 124, and it was really 123. The big joke here is that this is the second time we record the real 124 because somebody accidentally deleted his file immediately after he recorded it. Yeah, not two seconds. So like, okay, Albert, <laughs> we finished the recording. Great, let's celebrate. Oh, but I deleted everything, says Albert. Whoops, sorry about that. <laughs> so we're going to say everything we just said all over again. Yeah, but this time better. Oh, we'll see about that. See. I make no promises. Yeah. It's going to be an interesting one, actually, because the audio is coming and going. We have a little bit of technical issues, so we may say stuff three or four times. My audio is te- coming and going still? Not as much, but a little bit, yeah. <sighs> it, it, so far, it's manageable. Like, like I'll miss a word, and then it'll be a gap, and then I'll speak. So, so far, it's fine. Well, I mean, I still am recording on my side. Right. My side recording's not going to have any internet issues. Yeah, so I'm, I'm green for ping. Yeah, so what'll happen in the end is it just means I'm going to do more editing on my end. Why? If you just if if you don't delete the originals, you can still just splice together. Well, yes. I mean, Craig is a backup. Yes, yes. Theoretically. But, yeah, but what Although I mean I found is Craig from other be, people to do it as a standard. Yeah, but what I mean is because you chop up out or, or you get cut off, I don't know when you start talking or stop talking. So I may jump in the middle and and say stuff while you're speaking which i didn't have to oh you do that all the time well that's that's a good point or i may be sitting here thinking you're really talking a a long soliloquy about something i'm just quiet and and you're saying albert say something albert albert you there albert i'm probably i'm probably ranting about albert (laughs) so so there may be more editing than than normal we'll see anyway it doesn't matter uh that that is already deviating from the show notes um so we should probably start with the the biggest news we've got for this episode, which is we now have a Patreon account. All right, yeah, we got to open our Patreon page, and we've already had a couple people who came on and pledged, and we really appreciate that. Um, in fact, we're going to call out Raygun, Flan, Gregory Berger, and Oda, and say thanks so much, you guys, for coming on and giving us a uh, patronage. Yep, that's right. Thank you very much. Yeah, I, I know Reagan's been a long-time supporter because he's always been giving me a a geek quarter every time I post a, a new episode on the podcast Geek List. A geek quarter? <laughs> yeah. Instead of a geek coin? And so it's a geek, yeah, it's, geek it's a fourth gold. of a geek coin. <laughs> so, yeah, so he's been supporting this for, for a long time. Nice. <laughs> well, I know that we're actually going to try and do something new for the patrons, and um, we have the prognosticator level which i'm sure albert went through all of our patreon uh, patreon page there but we have the prognosticator level and we're actually founding a new little uh discord that we're going to be sending out a link to all the patrons and in that discord we're going to be sending a message about what the next episode is and all the patrons are going to have a chance to come on and if they want they can post up a comment or something else about whatever game it is that we're going to be talking about next time whatever topic we're going to be chatting about and we'll be able to read some of those topics and, and comments and reviews or whatever, what have you, and potentially get in on the next podcast. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Yeah, that'll be cool. That'll be fun. 
Yep. I'm looking forward to it because, again, this gives us another another method of opportunity and means to reach out to uh, all of our dearest listeners. Yes. All right. Uh, so have you been playing anything lately? Have I been playing anything lately? Mm-hmm. Any solo games? Um, yeah, I was, actually. Yeah, I've actually had time to play some games, too, lately, which is pretty exciting. Go for it. Why don't you tell us about what it is that you... Um, you're on the show notes and I've only thought about what games I've been playing (laughs) multiplayer (laughs) well so last week uh, I had the flu unfortunately over the weekend especially so I ended up missing a few days of work so finally when I started feeling better I finally pulled out Comancheria from GMT and and played through the tutorial of that and that that was like a four hour session sitting there playing through most of the tutorial but I learned the game and I played it again a couple more times um, so you got sick, so you stayed up all night playing Come and No, Cherry? not all night. This was in the daytime. So I was I was at home from work, and I was, I was no energy to do much else, so I finally set up the game and sort of struggled through that tutorial. And it really was a struggle. Um, it, it's a dense rule book, and, and you know, just not feeling well made it hard to, to follow things. I often read the same paragraph two or three times. <laughs> so you read rule books to put yourself to sleep. <laughs> No, who's got time for that? I'm always just tired. I don't need to read anything to fall asleep. I need to close who's my got eyes. time for falling asleep? <laughs> who's got time for falling asleep? I'm not quite sure which one of those you said who's got time for. Yeah, any of it. I don't got time for any of it. But uh, the game was really fun. I did enjoy it a lot. The I've learned. I have played through it. I I took a bunch of notes about it and, and read the rules and, and all this. And I've played it two more times now. And I'm looking forward to playing it some more. Great game. I also got to play Nautilian. Uh, thanks to Jason Clark, he told me that uh, he's a listener. He said that there's a store in Canada that had a couple copies. And I checked it out. And to order the game from Canada, including the shipping cost, was basically retail price if I had found it at a local game store in the U.S. So I went and ordered it, and I played a few games of that and really liked Nautilian. A lot of fun. So, so I'm really happy for that. I'm still not really convinced on that one. No, it you know it's it's random, but it, every every time you roll the dice, you got to make choices and you got to think about it. It's it's not totally roll a move. It's it's roll, think about it, and agonize over the choice. So wait, how much did you say you paid for it? Um, it was like twenty five and some change, I think, something like that, maybe twenty six. Oh, because you're aware that you can get it free shipping with Prime from Amazon for twenty four ninety nine. Really. That's yeah. that's strange and suspicious because it's been out of print and unavailable everywhere. Um, oh, never mind. So if might you actually hit add to cart, it comes up as not available. <laughs> okay, yeah. So, yeah. And the, the, I played one other game recently, which is a solitaire RPG. This is called One Week in the Life of a Level 1 Slime. Um, <laughs> and that, You're a slime, and I'm Albert. A slime. And, and I played a slime for a week. You know, it, it's the idea is, you know, you're a lowly slime... When you in D and D, slimes are, are a relatively common creature for adventurers to go and easily kill and get a few experience points to help them level up to that really hard to get to level two. Um, so in this, you play the slime, and it's a funny game because the way you do randomization in it is you you get candy out of a bag and look at the colors you got, and that that affects you know the sort of stuff that happens to you that each day. And then after you do that, you eat your candy, and then. Go on to the Wait, next it's day. like real candy? Oh, yeah. I use uh, Skittles. <laughs> what do you store it in? I had it in a little bowl. I hope you're not using like your regular dice bag. They'll probably no. be messy. <laughs> no, I have them in a bowl. My kids wanted to eat my candy. I said, can, can, can I have the candy? Said, no, this is for my game. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, so it, it was pretty interesting. It was fun. 
That's an expensive game. I mean, you constantly have to buy new components. It's like a legacy <laughs> game. Well, yeah, they they did say you could use cubes. But they don't suggest eating them. I hope not. <laughs> I'm not really a slime. But yeah, that was an interesting game. It was uh, I got it off Drive Through RPG. It was not free. I paid a few dollars for it, but not very much. Um, I enjoy playing it. It's not the sort of thing you're going to play much, but but it's a an interesting and unique experience for sure. What was the mechanic of the game? Um, is telling a story, you know, so you pull out your candy and then based on the colors that you drew, that kind of tells you what sort of day you're having and what sort of ad- adventures or encounters you may have to deal with. And then you just think about how they might work out and write it out. And mm-hmm. then when, when you've written out that day, then you draw candies and do the next one. So I sort of wrote it as a diary, one per day. And in the end, I actually had a story that followed a little bit of a path my my whole diary actually told a little bit of a story interesting and kind of cute but kind of weird <laughs> so yeah that, that was okay, that cool. was that game yeah i actually played gloomhaven last saturday i went to a local uh con mid-south con uh, where i was actually invited to speak in uh, two panels and neat before i had spoken um i stayed up later than potentially I should have played Gloomhaven, which you've probably heard of at this point in time. Mm-hmm. I've heard a lot about that. <laughs> well, it's it was a really good game, I, I must say. It's, it's basically a better version of the type of Descent type things. It's a dungeon crawl where you're using your two card draws and you get to pick one card to the top half of the card and the other uh, card that you used for the bottom half of the card and there's no real deck you have access to your whole deck your whole deck is in your hand so you have a lot of choice and a lot of strategic planning and a lot of powers you're moving through it so very very planned out very very much a strategy game in this dungeon call it is a much better version of descent and being that i was really considering picking up a copy of either descent or imperial assault i now really want to pick up a copy of gloomhaven Oh, neat. That, that's interesting. That sounds fun. How long does a session of that game take? Well, we started at around midnight and went till about six in the morning. But don't tell my wife we were out that late. <laughs> Fair enough. Granted, that was learning the rules and playing two sessions. The second session that we've actually found out, we played a bunch of rules wrong. So, oops. And we lost pretty horribly because we played those rules wrong. Okay. So... N- the the card mechanic you mentioned sort of reminded me of of what I remember Mage Knight being like. Was it sort of Mage Knightish? Did it have that kind of no. feel? No, not because at all. Mage Knight. When's the last time you played Mage Knight, man? Well, I didn't play Mage Knight, but I played the Star Trek one. Okay, but there's no dual cards on the things. There's a top half and a bottom half to each card, and the top half is usually an attack type thing, and the bottom half is usually a move type thing. And you play two cards each round. You get to pick one card for the top half and one card for the bottom half. Okay. But in Mage Knight, there's no top or bottom. Every card does just one thing. Uh, in Star Trek, some the cards gave you choices sometimes, if I remember. The ones you buy. Maybe not the ones you start with. But you did get choices mm-hmm. of how you use the card. Well, la dee da to you playing the <laughs> Star Trek game. I mean, I haven't actually played the Star Trek I game. Did. I've got Mage Knight. I may be wrong. It's been a while, but that's how I remember it. OG, man. <laughs> I know I'm elite. I know the I know the sayings of these mills, millennials, or is it mills? I think <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, because me and Albert we're up with the times. We're hip. Yeah, uh, us Generation Xers. 
Um, we've got some news. Should we cover what kind of news, Albert? Game news. Um, not a lot. I I wouldn't have expected (laughs) any other kind to show up on this podcast. So I really appreciate you clarifying for me that it is in fact game news. So, so there's one item. It's it's a Kickstarter, the Island of Doctor Necro. We have I covered that game on the podcast a, a few years back. Um. There is a new edition of it coming out, and it is on Kickstarter right now. It should be on Kickstarter, I think, for a few more weeks at this point. Um, now, this is a co-op game. You could play one or more players, and if you play solo, you could play with one character. You could choose to play a couple. It doesn't really matter. I've done it both ways. The In the game, you're, you're trying to get through the island and find the scientist and escape with the scientist, um, escape alive. And uh, it's a very basic game in, in um that you're basically each time you're just deciding how far you're going to adventure and then you're going to draw that number of cards and resolve each card one at a time um the the new edition though has updated artwork a lot of people didn't like the old artwork and apparently they've also changed the the way the dice works which makes it more interesting before you rolled a d6 and you you succeeded or failed depending on what number you got now it's a, a 2d6 so there's a little mm-hmm. more thought going into that it's, it's well, that's fandom. not the only new thing that's coming out on Kickstarter right now that we want to talk about. Mm-hmm. You saw that the new Aeon's End project just came out also? I did, right after we talked about it. Yeah. <laughs> this was a surprise to me, because when we had just talked about Aeon's End last podcast, and then I I did not know that there was a new Kickstarter coming out for an expansion, and then two days later, they opened up the new expansion. And my personal opinion is I just, I can't believe they're doing that because they're addressing almost all of we, we, when we were talking about ants and last week, we really bashed a bunch on their components and they changed mm-hmm. almost all, or at least they're planning to change almost all the components to address those issues. The dials, instead of being dials, they're spinners. Well, they're trying to fix that. They're making thicker tokens. They're making it. The tokens actually shaped instead of every single token being small squares, they're reshaping them all so that they all have different shapes. The dro- blood drops will be so the wounds will be blood drop shape, which looks much more dynamic, much more striking, and much better on the board. So the, all the physical stuff is changing. The thin cardstock they want to change, the box size they're trying to change. So they're trying to fix all of the problems we had with the components, and then they're also changing the graphic design for all of the cards. So the graphic design is much better, in my opinion. It's really nicer. And they're updating it all. So it's not actually compatible. I mean, it can be compatible, but it will look jarring. The backs are staying the same, but they're changing the whole graphic design. Mm -hmm. So it's not really compatible with the old version. And if you back the first time and you back the second time too, they'll give you an upgrade kit which was normally cost you $10 if you can show proof of purchase for the first one. But you get that for free. All that means, in essence, if you owned the first copy, there's not really that much value to it at this point in time. And if you haven't picked up the first copy, never the first version, never do so. Because it's really a lot worse than the second one. And to me... That just really shows a disloyalty to your customers. And Zen did not come to Kickstarter that long ago. And here they are completely revamping it and killing any value. I mean, can you imagine a local game store that saw that Anzen was popular and ordered a bunch of stock for it? Mm-hmm. 
right? It's yep. going to be worthless because who would ever want to buy the first version once the second version is out? Yeah, that's true because I could buy this this older version that's low quality or the, the new high quality version. Well, I'm just going to get the new one. Now, I and guess... it's essentially not getting any support either. Yeah. I guess if you really like the game, you may want to go back and buy the first version too just to have more variety in your game. But then... No, because you can get the upgrade kit, which gives you all the oh. cards necessary from the first version, and that's all you need for the first version. You'll need all the components, the box, the I guess maybe you'll need the boards, but many of the boards are coming in the new version too, and they're changing the look of the boards too, so the old Nemesis boards aren't going to match very well with the new Nemesis boards. Mm-hmm. That makes it jarring that, yeah, I wouldn't want to get it because of that sort of thing. I mean, and there, there's games that I have not bought because because they changed the look of it, and I said I just I don't want to deal with it and mix it. So, I yeah. just think that's a horrible thing to do. And honestly, this is indie boards and cards. It's unfortunate that they have a, a game that I really like, Flashpoint, but I've never supported Flashpoint Kickstarter because I think that the way Travis of Indie Boards and Cards handles customer su- customer support, especially in Kickstarter, is horrible. It's horrid. He is really bad, in my opinion, on customer support. And I think this just continues to show it, that it's a disloyalty to your original purchasers, giving absolutely no support, and just entirely reducing the value. I would regret having purchased the original had I done so. I borrowed the copy we reviewed, but Mm -hmm. I would have so much regret if I would have purchased it. I would not want to support indie boards and cards on Kickstarter, and I don't support them on Kickstarter. Mm Mm-hmm. And mentioning that they do have another uh, Flashpoint coming out, they announced that recently. A new expansion. I know. <laughs> I don't know. I, if I'm not going to get it on Kickstarter. Yeah. I mean, I have not picked up. I picked up one expansion for Flashpoint because I really haven't wanted to support it on Kickstarter, and I felt no burning desire <laughs> to go pick up <laughs> pick it up That's afterwards. Terrible. That was fantastic. <laughs> Thank you, but I, I simply haven't. I simply haven't had any large desire to go pick it up afterwards mm-hmm. just because I don't really want to support them. Yeah, I, I understand. My, my experience hasn't necessarily been the same, but uh, but I could totally see where you're coming from. I mean, I assume you've chatted and things with him on on yes. Yes, Kickstarter I, and stuff. Yes. And I think I, I may have interviewed him or, for the podcast a while ago. And, you know, from what I remember, my conversations with him were fine, but... He did come across as, as pretty brusque, but you know, but but I could, I could see where you're coming from because I know you're not the only person that's felt that way. Yeah, and and either way, it it is annoying because because everything else is is true. The he's made this version and now he's changed it around completely, and it's frustrating because as an original backer, you you're gonna feel let down and disappointed that it's changed on you so much, and and you spent your money on something, and and now. He'll fix it for you, but if you spend it's not really fixing it for you. No. If if you bought an eighty dollar game, if you bought Aeon's End, an eighty dollar game, you have to pay another ten dollars to get all the cards you want, and then take that eighty dollar game and put it in the trash because <laughs> it has no more value after you've bought the ten dollar upgrade kit because that's all you needed was the ten dollars worth of cards. And you can throw away the rest of your box. Well, say, say you got to keep all your tokens and all that because you're not getting the upgraded tokens. If you're buying the expansion, you can't oh. get the upgrade kit if you don't buy the expansion. So you can't even just buy the upgrade kit by itself? 
I don't think you can. I think it's oh. only available if you get the expansion. Yeah, that that is frustrating then. I recall we actually looked that up the first time we were recording too. I think you're right. <laughs> I think yeah, I do remember talking about that. But that just shows that doesn't make sense to me. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm sure that it's more expensive to get those cards done than $10 and that they've reduced the cost because it's more expensive. Yeah. And that they therefore don't want to pay for it for people who don't actually have the original. I get that. Still. Mhm. I mean, it, it, the, the 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 original game, yeah, the quality was terrible. There was no way to really fix it and make everybody happy. And that that just that that's an unfortunate fact. So and then they the got themselves to, stuck I mean, in this. They they're stuck. They're stuck. They are stuck. But that's not a reason to try and make I mean, the best thing to do in that case is say, Okay guys, we're sorry we made a bad game. Hopefully it won't hurt our track record too much. We're going to try again with this game. But not kill your previous one, which is what they did. Mm-hmm. Why? Why would think about what? Think about it from the perspective of a of a local game store, someone else who puts stock in games. Anyone who's got stock and is presumably selling to someone who's aware of these sort of things, how much is that worth to them? So, how many more of those do you think they're going to sell? Would you want to back them on Kickstarter? Let's say that Indie Boards and Cards launches brand new game, Wall Building. I don't know. Pick something. <laughs> They're launching wall building. It's the first version of it, and you look and you're like, hmm, it's got a lot of cards. Maybe I should back it, but probably not, because if I wait six months, they may figure out everything they did wrong and do it again. Mm-hmm. Yep. It just ruins trust, and it's they've lost it for me. Yep. So, And so that's another Kickstarter game going on right now, folks. But let's talk about someone who has gotten our trust. Yes, so Morton, Morton Monrad Pedersen. For those who aren't familiar with him, Morton is a designer. I think he works full-time at this point in time over for Stonemaier Games, or at least he's a freelance person, but he's heavily associated over the freelance games with uh, Stonemaier Games. And he was the designer of the Automa system for Scythe and for Viticulture and every other thingy that has the actual word Automa in it and is published. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yep, I believe I believe he has his own, I guess, publishing brand, Automa Factory, and so he's independent. Mm-hmm. And he is publishing the Automa for the new Terra Mystica game, Project Gaia, which is a new version of Terra Mystica. I don't think it's called a standalone expansion because they've rethemed Terra Mystica to be Terra Mystica in space. <laughs> now it's not just a new version, right? It's a it's a re they took the original game, they took the stuff they liked about it, and made a new game with some of those features. I don't know how you know that much about it, because I don't think there's that much information about it that's really public. Well, I mean, I don't know. I'm just, uh, I'm assuming that because it's a, it's a Terra Mystica game, and it's not going to be exactly the same, so therefore it must have some new features, but some of the old features, right? I don't know. Okay. I tried to do some research on it, but they don't have a really good press release out. Yeah, no, apparently the press release will be available soon. Well Oh lovely. Yeah. Um so yeah, so that that's that's news, that's pre news, that's you know Well, there's one more piece of news that we can talk about, which is a contest. Since we know from our recent survey that everyone loves contests, we're gonna do a contest. You wanna do a contest, Albert? Let's do a contest. Is this cool. a previous contest or the next contest? That is an unclear question to me. <laughs> it's okay. So, we didn't have... Tell me more. I'll just be quiet. 
Tell me more. Tell me more. Dee, 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 dee. No, no, Albert. <laughs> Uh, thankfully, the audio cut out right just as start, just as you started singing. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> anyway, um, we have played some games of the past by Board Knot, and I believe one of my favorite ones that they've released so far is actually Land Six. But they have released another one called Constantinople, and Constantinople is a mini solo war game. It's a very simple war game. Uh, primarily based on dice rolling, where you are controlling Constantinople and must defend it from five different, or actually multiple different raiding forces, but five colors of raiding forces. Yeah, if you're familiar with the uh, States of Siege games by Victory Point Games, it is that style of game, that type of mechanic. You'd swear it was published by Victory Point Games. But it's a lot simpler. (laughs) It it takes everything from that and simplifies it down by like 10 Ten percent of that. Well, so, some of the some of the more the earlier games, especially, are very simple. I'd say this is equ- very equivalent to one of those easily. Oh, I wouldn't know. I don't think yeah. I played any of the earlier games, but nonetheless, this one seems like a really simplified version of it, which is perfect for an app-based version of the game. So they have released an app-based version of the game for Android. I assume that they're going to be coming out for iOS at one point in time. Yes, it is no, also actually, available. They are also, it's also out for iOS. Sorry, I have an Android phone. It is also available for iOS on smartphones and tablets, and it's available for Android. Um, and we've played it through. Have you taken a look at it, Albert? Mm-hmm. I've played it a couple times now. Yeah, it's, it's well done. It's a well done game. It is well done. Again, I really like the style. It's very clear, very easy to play. Um, the rules were a bit harder for me to understand this one than in previous ones, but I it, it's simple enough that I got it pretty quickly. Uh, although I'll grant you, I haven't yet understood the strategy on how to win. <laughs> yeah, and that states of siege games. I mean, the trick is try and keep those those uh, armies back to as far back as you can. Something like uh, yeah. that. <laughs> um, I you know I I don't normally like app games, um, but but I found it it we worked very well. Hmm? We differ on that. Okay, yeah, yeah, we do. Um, but I played it. it. It works well as an app. I've played it on my phone, and you know, surprisingly, it, it's very playable on the phone. I, I was worried it was gonna be way too small, but not at all. I had no issues with it. Um, you know, my my issue with apps is. I, I want to feel like I'm in totally in control, and, and when I'm playing on an app, a lot of the rules happen in the background, and so I don't necessarily know what's going on, and I, I, I dislike that disconnect. Um, and that's just a general app thing, but I, I thought this was a very well done app, absolutely. So we're going to be giving away a couple of copies of the game, and this applies or to the app version of the game this is whether you have android or ios both are available we have three copies of it that we're giving away and you know what let's promote some other digital integrations that we have we had just got this new fancy schmancy discards discord server for the one player podcast uh we'll give two entries if you come on to the discord server into our general channel there's going to be a link down in the show notes come over there and tell us what you associate with Constantinople. You have a one-word entry. We love these one-word entries. One word for what you associate with Constantinople. Istanbul does not count. Something other than Istanbul, since I heard Albert start thinking that. <laughs> they might be giants. That's one word, isn't it? So, that, that works, if you wish. So <laughs> one word, what do you associate with Constantinople? You get two entries if you post it over in our Discord 
server, you can have one entry if you find any other way of getting it to us. So email, message, mail, uh, find us on BGG and post it on the thread there. Whatever method you have, go post it somewhere. Uh, but you get two for having on Discord because we have a fancy Discord and we're fancy people. Mm-hmm. So yeah, come post. So the deadline for this is going to be April 17th. So you got about two weeks from when this recording comes out, and hopefully we'll get an announcement for this in the next recording. And let us all know what it is that you've got. Excellent. I like contests. Yes. Contests are always fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess we're... And with that, let's move on to a game. Or two. Today we are going to be talking about Valeria. Specifically, we're talking about the Villages of Valeria and the Quests of Valeria. So these are two small box games from Daily Magic Games. Now, the important to understand, there are actually more games with the word Valeria in it, especially by them. There's also Valeria Card Kingdoms, which I believe Albert is familiar with. Mm-hmm, yep, I've seen that one. I, you know, I actually have a picture that I drew of the, the dragon from that game. I need to share that with you. You're a funny artist. But, these are not expansions. These are separate games entirely. And even though they call them Valeria, which seems like a very iconic thing, they are all very different. Um, I probably would have called them something different just to make sure that people don't keep getting confused about them being expansions. But that is besides the point. So these are not expansions. These are separate games. We're going to be talking about Villages of Valeria first. For Villages of Valeria... The idea of this game, let's do our short rules summary. Um, Villages of Valeria is primarily a resource management game where you are going to be having cards, and they are multi-use cards. The cards can either be turned flipped over so that their top is their bottom, in which case they are then resources. You'll have a set of gold tokens that on your turn, if you choose to do a build action, you put gold tokens on those now resource cards to grab their resource. Each of the cards also can be used as a building, and they list their costs. So they may cost wood, or food, or magic to put out. And by putting gold on the resource cards, which again is just the buildings flip over, you can use that those the gold converted into resources to develop to build cards and you put those cards down on the table and they're usually worth points to you and they give you some special ability either immediately or in the future when you've got a card built the building of the of the buildings is the primary way that you're going to advance in the game as soon as a person has built enough buildings or collect enough adventures the game will end the way you take your turn is through a, fo- a lead and follow type thing, which you're probably familiar from from games like Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. On your turn, you will pick one action to do that as a lead action, and then everyone else does a slightly weaker version of that for a follow action. And actions are either drawing cards or creating resources by discarding cards, building buildings by putting gold down on, on resources, recruiting, which there's also going to be a set of adventurers. If you have buildings which match the adventurer's cost, you can recruit those adventurers by paying a gold, and they come over to your village, and then they're worth points for you, and again can give you special abilities. Or you can tax, and then you get extra gold. A big part of the interaction is that you can put gold on other players' resources, and then at the start of their turn, they'll get to keep that goal. But until then, you've blocked off their card and you've gotten resources from them. The game ends whenever someone's gotten either 12 or 10 buildings. 
in solo, the game ends once you've gone through the whole deck of building cards once. And you score however much points you get, and hopefully you win. So that is the basics of Villages of Valeria. You with me, Albert? Mm-hmm, yep. Sounds clear. So we now have the first section we're going to talk about is the rules. This is a short rules game. They're very thin. It's a small box, and the rules pretty much match what it is. I didn't have a lot of difficulty learning the rules. Um, I will say, though, that most of the rules in this game, there's a bunch of icons. Like I said, there's wood, stone, magic, food, and all of the powers that you get from the buildings and from the adventurers are icons. They're, They're not ever written out in full text. And the first time I played through the game, the rules don't actually explain to you what all the icons mean. You can intuit it as they explain all the examples, but the rules don't actually tell you what the icons all mean and how to interpret them. There's a player reference card that comes with the game that each player is supposed to get, and on the reverse side of that player reference card, it actually does tell you what all the icons mean. And if you've seen that player reference card, it's a lot easier to understand what all the cards mean. The first time I played this, I pulled it out solo, And I didn't pull out the player reference cards because I had the rules. What would I need the player reference card for? And during my first play, I was like, uh, I think this is what this means. I mean, an icon like that should mean that. So that's probably (laughs) what this means. And I just sort of played through it. And then the first time I pulled out multiplayer and started handing out the reference cards, I saw, oh, look, they have a reverse side, which tells me what the icons (laughs) mean. I feel silly. So you didn't see the back until you handed it to somebody else and and showing them the front of the card? Exactly. (laughs) It's funny. Exactly. So that was the first time I saw it. So that wasn't in the rules. It probably should have been in the rules. Um, But otherwise, the rules were not hard to learn. It's It's not a very intensive game in terms of rules. The rules are easy to understand. And it has on the back of the rules a quick reference, which is the reference card that I was using, on the back of the rules, it's a quick play reference for how to set up the game and how to play through the game, and it's a good version of the rules. I like the rules. Okay, yeah, I kind of looked through the rule book. It, it's it, it looks like it's a very small book. It, online, it looks like there's a ton of text, but that but then you kind of realize it's actually not that big of a book. So let's talk about components then next. Okay. Like I said, this is actually a small box game. If you're familiar with the size of like Tiny Epic Kingdoms or Hostage Negotiator, we're talking that size box. Okay. I thought it was bigger. Okay. I actually have the Kickstarter Deluxe version, which is a bigger box. And that's because it comes with a bunch of expansions, with dividers, with some uh, nice player pieces for tracking your current score. And it comes with extra pieces and it comes with a bigger box. But that's the Deluxe version. The honest truth is, is I really haven't played with all the expansions yet. I'm quite a number of plays in with them. I don't really feel the need to play with the deluxe expansions. And I don't think the deluxe expansions really integrate very well with solo anyway. So you don't really even need the deluxe expansions at all. Um, and it comes in a, so it comes in a small box, small box in retail, and you can find the expansions in places like the BGG store. Okay. Um, one nice piece that it does come with is a active player card and token. Because we have a lead follow mechanic, it's useful to actually put down a token to show what action you've taken. Everyone can just sort of glance at that rather than having to ask. A small, nice thing, but it actually is a nice design. Now, that has a wood 
castle token. In the deluxe version, it come it came with player tokens for each player and a little turn track to show how many points each player has. And the idea of that is the game ends when a certain person has a number of points, uh, either 12 or 10, or a number of buildings, rather. And so you're keeping track of that with the with a tracker. That really is not a very useful thing for me. The castles are small, and that board is small. I'm constantly forgetting to update it, because it's too small to pass around. It's too small to really put in the center of the table. And I'm constantly knocking over the little castle tokens. <laughs> so that doesn't have a lot of use to me. So if you're thinking about picking up the deluxe for that particular piece, I'd recommend that it's not worth that much of an upgrade. Okay. For the deluxe. And, and both versions bring the big castle. Both versions have the big castle and the active player token. Yes. Okay. Uh, they also all have the gold coins, which are small wood discs and they're pretty tiny, but they're visible. They're not so tiny that they're invisible to see. They're thick wood coins, but they're small. The game is a small box game, and the components fit the small size. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm looking at a picture of the game now, and if the cards are are basic, normal, plain size cards, and these are tiny little tokens. They are tiny little (laughs) tokens, and they are basic playing size cards. Now, then, one component, though, that I want to talk about is the art. On both of these Mm. games, the art is great incredible i love the art um they have unique pieces of art for each card and each of the art depicts what the card's name is and the art is all over the rule book all over the box all over the cards and it's full a full card art there's no bleed or i'm sorry it's full bleed art there's no border and it just looks amazing it looks really good i really like the card art Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's some great art on this. And do we know who the designer is? It's worth pointing out, mentioning his name. You mean the artist? Yes, the artist, I'm sorry. Let me see. Here on BGG it says... I'm sorry. I'm going to let you pronounce this again. <laughs> I figure you, you, you haven't actually increased your ability to pronounce it any since last time, but go for it. Uh, no, but I've increased my confidence. It's it's Mihailo Dimitrievsky. No, I haven't increased my confidence, <laughs> but I have tried. Um, All right, and, and yeah, and he—if if that's his art—he's done a great job, and I have no reason to think it's not his. Um, he's done a right. few other games too, actually. If we check out his profile page, um, quite a—he's got like five pages of games list, that list him, including mm-hmm. a, a Game of Thrones: Hand of the King from Fantasy Flight Games and the Explorers of the North Sea. There's a series of three games that are all similar and that's one of them i don't remember the name of the other two mm-hmm. there's an explorers and a uh, what's it raiders and another one but i think the art and the style that they use for this one is just excellent and that the same comments are going to be true for quests of valeria and valeria card kingdom as well i really like the art for this one mm-hmm. so that's components talking about gameplay um I'll tell you, I picked this up on Kickstarter because I saw the lead follow mechanic, and I've played that before in other games like Puerto Rico, and I really like the lead follow mechanic. It keeps, especially in multiplayer, it keeps everyone involved. It means that your turn, quote-unquote, is really short because you take something, you take a lead action, and then everyone else also gets to do that. So you're constantly getting involved, you're constantly doing something, you're constantly paying attention. So it's very dynamic, the gameplay. So I really liked the lead follow mechanic, which is one reason why I picked up the game initially. 
Another mechanic I like is the multi-use cards. With this game, a card you have in your hand can be used for multiple things. It can be discarded to help you uh, create a resource. It can be used as a resource, or it can be used for its building. So any single card in your hand has multiple uses. Uh, you, we've seen these sort of things for games like Bruges. I really like the multi-use card type thing because it brings a lot of tension to the game. Mm-hmm. You have cards in your hand, and you know you're going to be sad to lose something in your hand, but you have to lose something. Some of these cards are going to go away, and they're not going to be useful for what you want to use them for. And it really brings a lot of tension, and I, I like having the multi-use cards. Yeah, I, I agree. That, that, that adds so much tension. just makes the game so much more fun if it's well done. So the gameplay in Villagers of Valeria, I really like. The theme, however, is practically not there. I mean, you're looking at cards, you're looking to see what they do, how much they cost, how many points they're worth. And I guess you can say, hey, look, it's a wizard. Wizards are awesome, so I'm going to make sure I have a wizard. But, you know, the wizard uses magic. I mean... There's some sort of thematic connection between what they called something so the, and what the they put it to. The theme is you're a, a fantasy city planner or something like that. You're fantasy building. A, you're building up a, a pool of events. I don't really know. <laughs> so the theme is fantasy. I mean, you're you're building up a town of something. You're a, you're a duke or a duchess, I suppose, and you're building up a town or something along those lines. You never really feel like that, I don't think. It's it's not a super thematic game. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's just the way it is. But honestly, I don't care that much about that. <laughs> because again, the mechanics in it are very much fun, and that's why you play a game like this. In terms of the comparison between solo versus multiplayer, though, I'm going to have to give this one a slight knock. When you're playing it multiplayer, I think the game takes the right amount of time. There's tension to be able to get that last building out, and there's tension not knowing when the game's going to end and making sure that all your all your actions count and that you're racing other players. In solo, the game doesn't end until you go all the way through the deck. So whereas points, you, it may be a 20 to 30 game score at the end of it, it's a 40 to 60 score at the end of a solo game. And for me, the solo game just takes a little bit longer than I'd like it to be. I think if you would discard the top third off the deck at the beginning of the game instead, uh, just randomly discard the top third off the deck and only play for two thirds of the deck or something like that, I think that would be closer to the right amount of time. Uh-huh. But as is, just by the end of it, it's already started to get repetitive and I'm already really well set up and I've got my engine just repeating through itself and in multiplayer you never really get that chance to do that because the game ends before you get a strong engine and dozens of things built up whereas in solo you've got a big pile of cards and lots of stuff going on and lots of stuff to use and that gets repetitive it's not really it doesn't have the same level of tension that it does in multiplayer and that means that i like it more multiplayer than i do solo Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny. When, when I play a game that's got engine building, they, they always end just as your engine's about to really take off and, and, and go crazy. And, and it's always a little bit annoying. It's like, oh, I wish you could have played a few more rounds. But it, but it turns out that when, in fact, you do do that, it, it ends up being kind of tedious and repetitive. And, and the actual having the engine is not as fun as the potential of it. To a certain degree, yes. Mm-hmm. So that's Villages of Valeria, and I'm going to hold off with my final overview until I can compare it with Quests for Valeria. Okay, and so this is the expansion. No, this is the expansion. (laughs) 
Albert, you're killing me. So <laughs> let's talk about quests for Valeria. This is not the expansion. This is a different game entirely. Um, quests for Valeria, though, it looks very similar. It's, again, primarily a card-based game where you are controlling your cards and taking actions in order to complete quests. You are a guildmaster, and you are hiring citizens to... Uh, to join your guild and then sending off those citizens to go complete quests. Quests in this game are what give you points. And the game ends when a, in multiplayer when a player has completed five, car, five quests. On your turn, you get to take two actions. You can either draw, which means you draw a card from the citizen deck. You can hire. There's going to be a row of citizens in the middle of the table, which are rated, which are each cost zero, one, two, or three cards from your hand. So you discard cards from your hand to take a citizen from the center line and put it in your guild. You can also pay two cards to hire from your hand. Uh, that's usually too expensive, and I'll get back to this later. Uh, you can also quest, which is you discard citizens from your guild, and they have to match the costs on the quest. So different quests may cost like different amounts of gold or magic or swords or they may require specific types of citizens like armor citizens or uh, thief type citizens and so you discard the correct type of citizens and you get to take a quest okay. or you can reserve which is you clear the center line and then if you want um, and then you can grab a quest and reserve it for you kind of like in splendor how you're reserving a card mm -hmm. for yourself and when, when you say you discard cards this is not a deck building game you're not going to get those cards back later correct. if you discarded them they're gone correct and so you get two actions. Now that even though you get two main actions, most of the cards let you get extra get extra actions. So by hiring someone, he may let you do some more drawing or do another hire or do a quest. So usually actions will lead into more actions, so you may end up taking four, five, six actions on your turn. Now these actions are relatively short except for questing when you have to balance out what you're aiming for and calculate how to be efficient. But a draw, for example, or a hire, for example, are usually relatively quick. Uh, so you're taking those two actions or multiple actions on your turn, and then you pass your turn to the next, and you keep going until someone has five quests. And that's all the game. Okay. Sounds simple enough. Again, as with rules, as with villages for Valeria, talking about the rules, it's a very short, simple to understand game. So again, the rules are well written. They explain how to play the game, and again, it has the rules on the back, or the quick summary of the rules. And again, as in villages of Valeria, there's a set of icons that explain to you how to do the game. I think though the icons in this game and quests are worse than the icons in Villages. In both games, there's a, a page on the last page of the rules that is card clarifications. And they write out in full text what exactly a number of different cards are. When I see those icons come up, for some reason, I still have to keep checking the rulebook for them because the way those icons work are just not intuitive. You wouldn't look at those and, and be like, oh, I can understand the code language that's being used here. Like the sources, for example. It's not an intuitive use of those icons. Those icons are really being used differently than on any other card. And those really just should have been in full text on the cards. I understand it breaks how everything else looks and it doesn't make it look all the same. But still, I think those just should have been in full text because they're really hard to understand the icons, and I have to keep checking those. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and that breaks the, the flow of the game. 
it does, well, mostly you're checking outside of turn or telling everyone what it is. I don't think it breaks the flow of the game just so much as it's harder to understand the cards. It's harder to understand certain cards of this one than the other one. Now then, that may be because some of these cards get removed in solitaire play. In solitaire play, there's a list of specific cards that you take out of the deck. The assassin, sapper, mage, bishop, etc. And you'll specifically remove those from the deck. And some of those are the ones that I keep having to get clarifications from when I'm playing multiplayer. That could be because I'm not seeing them in solitaire, so I see them less often. I don't know. But I, I those at least are hard for me to understand. So in terms of the rules, simple rules, but I think the icons are used worse in this game. In terms of components, this is really just a card game. There are the I, There's a set of tokens that go on the in the middle of the board for zero, one, two, or three cards to show how much everything is costing. Those are thick. Those are the two millimeter chipboard. I really like these thicker tokens. Mm-hmm. These two millimeter chipboards are really nice. I'm really hoping we're going to see more games starting to use thicker chipboard for their games because it's much more durable and it feels much nicer when you're using it. Um, so that's really nice. I like the components. There's no tiny pieces of gold or tiny castles in this one. None of that is present in this one. The only things they use are those chipboards. And so they have chipboards for in the center. They also have two action tokens. Because you sometimes end up with five, six actions in your turn, it's sometimes easy to forget, well, have I taken my main actions or not? So they have two action tokens. And on your turn, you'll pick those up. And when you take your main action, excuse me, on your turn, you'll pick those up. And when you take your main action, you'll actually hand off your, the token to the next player. And it's a very physical way of keeping track of his turn it is and knowing whether or not you've taken one or two actions. Mm-hmm. That was a good set of tokens to include in the game. So thumbs up on that. Yeah, I like that. That's nice and simple. So components in this one are good. Talking about gameplay, though cards in hand on this one, there's no multi-use cards that are going on. The only cards that are going to come into your hand are these citizen cards. Primarily, citizen cards in your hand are just resources. They're essentially gold that you're paying to buy citizens from the uh, from the center of the board. And it's just a number to however many cards you're going to do. Now, then sometimes cards in your hand, you'll want to use them for their actual face if you see something there and you really need it but in general at least when i've been playing it i haven't really wanted to use cards on my uh, on my hand because in general that's actually three cards in your hand that you have to use to get one of them out because it's the two cards that you're discarding plus the one card that you're turning from a hand card into a played card so it really costs you three cards from your hand and that's the most expensive type of card on the in the center of the board you can spend two and get anything else from the center of the board and still have another card left over to buy something else Mm. so that's really expensive which means that in general cards in hand are worthless for what they have on their face and they're just a bland resource they could just be gold and that means that there's a lot less tension and there's a lot less excitement with those cards. I just don't care about them. Now, are there are there scenarios where some of the cards just work really well together and you might want to do that? Or, or is that not sort of the... No, because there's not really... Mo- none of the cards in this game have always active powers. Mm-hmm. Cards give you a one-time bonus. You get to... When you take a card when you buy a card they do something for you immediately there's no ongoing thing so there's no interaction between cards in this game okay so 
that was that that made the face of the cars much more bland and lost a lot of the tension. Mm-hmm. Another critique I have for the gameplay is this: there's a set of quests that are laid out in the center of the board that you're trying to get the resources to pay or the citizens to pay for those quests. It's very hard in multiplayer to plan for grabbing one of those quests because any other player can reset that whole available quests line. It just takes an action for them to do it. So if you're trying to be efficient and you're trying to build to a specific quest, either be less efficient and spend a turn, an action, reserving that quest, or run the big risk that you're not going to have it. But and that, that can be very frustrating. That only applies in the multiplayer game, though, right? In the solitaire that game, you don't have to worry about that. in the multiplayer. Yes. So you end up not really reserving anything in the solitaire game. Well, in solitaire, each turn, the lowest quest is going... Or unless it's been bought, the lowest quest is going to get uh, discarded. Okay. So you, you know exactly how long they're going to be there. But in multiplayer, it can be really frustrating having that row get clear because... You know, it may just ruin all your planning, and that's mm-hmm. annoying. I mean, that now that the- right there is why I like solitaire games so much. So I think because there's some games I've played that are great, but by the time your turn comes around again, all your plans have been screwed up because or messed up because somebody else has a uh, taken actions I got in your way. It's so frustrating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. When you play solo, that never happens. True, and it doesn't <laughs> happen in this game either. Okay, again, though, like the last one. The game doesn't end until you go through the whole deck of cards, and I think that's still just a bit too long. I'd rather see the top third get discarded. Because mm-hmm. that would be nice. Yeah, it sounds like a good house rule. Another comment about the solo game, just in comparison to the multiplayer, I like I was saying, you have to discard specifically named cards from the deck each time you play solo, so you have to go through the whole deck and find those. I really wish that those cards had some sort of icon on them showing what types get removed in one. Just like a one with a slash through it or something. So I could just go through and find all those cards with that icon rather than having to specifically find the named cards. It's really annoying having to redo that over and over again if I'm trying to swap between solo and multiplayer. Which, again, when I'm trying to review these games, I try playing both solo and multiplayer. And it's annoying. I wish they had had some sort of icon. It would have made it much easier to reset the game for Solo. Mm-hmm. Now, are these cards that when you have them, they're obvious they don't work in solitaire play? A lot of times... They're when not I'll... really. Some uh... of them some of them are ones that don't work in solitaire play. Like, for example, the Assassin, which lets you target mm-hmm. another player's card and discard it, so that one you can't play in multiplayer because it targets another player. But there are other ones, like, for example, the Sorceress, which lets you discard a card from the center... You don't really often care to discard a card from the center in your game, but you may want to, but it comes in. So many of these are just... I, I don't understand what, what the reason why they felt these specific cards had to come out. I really don't know. Okay. Some of them definitely interact with other players, but not all of them. Like, for example, the Thief. The Thief card lets you take a random card from another player's hand. The Thief is in the solo game, even though it targets another player. <laughs> I don't get it. That sounds like an oversight. I don't know if it's... no. I have no idea. I don't know what their logic was. I don't know. But nonetheless, it's it's annoying and frustrating. Mm-hmm. So let's go ahead and compare the two of them. You've probably already guessed from the way I'm talking that I prefer villages to quests. Yeah. Did you guess that, Albert? I, I could tell. I could tell. You, you sound way more excited about the first one. I, I really do. 
Um, quests was a letdown and, and, and basically all the things I've said previously about that the cards are bland, that there's no tension, and that they didn't give me any sort of solo icon for the cards to remove. So it it's it feels bland to me, so I really give it a neutral rating. I'm not that excited about quests. Uh, villages, on the other hand, I'm really excited about. I really like villages, even solo. Granted, it takes a bit longer, and I'll probably start house ruling to play it shorter and see how I like that, but I haven't wanted to do that yet. I wanted to play it rules as written, mm-hmm. and I like it. I like the tension that comes in the multi-cards. I like the tension that comes in, in multiplayer of racing the other players, of swapping things off. I really like villages, so that one, it, that one gets a definite thumbs up for me. Excuse me. Okay, that's cool. Um, can, can you mix the games together at all or not really? No, you okay. can't. Even though they have all the same icons, the cards are very different. So, okay. I mean, they have the same card art, but no, you cannot mix the two of them together. That doesn't work at all. Okay. I didn't get the impression that you could. So that is Villages of Valeria and Quests of Valeria. Now, hopefully starting soon, we're going to insert in this spot comments from our backer, our patrons who have uh, seen what it is they were doing in advance and sent us some sort of comment about what it is that they're talking about. Mm-hmm. And we look forward to hearing more of those. Yep, excellent. I look forward to that for sure. And hopefully next time we'll start with that. But yep. this time, unfortunately... We don't have that yet. Hey, wh- so one more question soon. about Valeria. The space first. reserved. Okay. Go for it. Um, d- do you know if there's more games planned in this franchise or world or whatever it is? Yes, there are. Okay. Do you, do they know how many they want to make or anything like that? Or is it just, you know, as long as people keep buying them? Sort of I don't have any public information about that. Okay. Sounds I mean, I know that there are more coming out. I don't think that they've reveal what it is that's coming out next i know that they have some other games coming that they've talked about in some other things have they done them all through kickstarter they have done them all through kickstarter okay they're these these people have been doing a lot of kickstarter games i can't imagine they're ever going to stop Hmm, okay and who is the publisher again daily magic games daily magic games okay i'm not familiar with that name i've seen their games but i'm just not familiar with the the name at all well there you go Hmm. Well, very cool. I, I this this sounds good. I love the art. Every time I see it, it makes me want to get the game. But I I just been hesitant. No, I may have to buy one of them. All right. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening, and we'll talk with you guys in two weeks. All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractaloon on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus, can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at DanPancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-alike license. Thanks for listening.